everyone. Welcome to Heart to Heart, the podcast that brings you inside King Street to explore the people, their passions, and the programs that make our hearts beat. You can expect conversations with faculty that dive into programs and curriculum and spotlight the unique characteristics of a Sacred Heart education. Sacred Heart stands out as Greenwich's only all-girls faith-based school, yet we stand together with 200 network schools around the world. Our community of diverse and talented scholars, athletes, creators, and doers give us so much to talk about. So let's get started. In the next few months, longtime Sacred Heart educator and leader Michael Baber will return home to King Street. He is steeped in Sacred Heart history and experience, and his leadership is informed by a joyful, active faith and dedication to mission. Mr. Baber first arrived at Sacred Heart in 2000 as an upper school theology teacher and was appointed department chair in 2001. And fun fact, Megan Ryan, director of alumni relations and Michaela Gorman, upper school drama teacher, actually had Mr. Baber as their theology teacher. In 2003, Mr. Baber became assistant head of school, a position he held for the next 12 years before he followed the call to Grand Coteau, Louisiana. Here, Mr. Baber served as interim head of school at Schools of the Sacred Heart, the world's oldest continuously operating Sacred Heart school. In 2016, Mr. Baber was appointed head of school at Villa Duchenne and Oak Hill, where he strengthened curriculum, increased enrollment, and achieved record-setting philanthropy. This is a person whose sacred heart roots grow deep. I was lucky enough to chat with Mr. Baber on one of his recent visits to Greenwich. I was struck by how fun, easy, and interesting our conversation was, and I hope you feel the same as you listen. So let's dive in. Thank you for talking with me. My first question is that your return to King Street is a special homecoming, and we are so excited to have you again on campus. Let's go back to the first time you arrived at Sacred Heart Greenwich as a theology teacher. What brought you here then? It's a great question. Thanks for the opportunity to have a conversation with you about all of this. I think it was an ad in the paper I saw in Weston, Connecticut, where I was living. Oh my gosh. And we had a young family. And there was a picture of a second grader peering into a microscope with this intensity and inquisitiveness. And the title of the ad was, 98% of the doctors in the world are men. We're trying to change that. Wow, that's powerful. Convent of the Sacred Heart, a school for girls, a school of excellence. And I just remember the ad was so poignant. And I was riveted by just the intensity of that young student and the microscope and what she could see. Yeah. And what I saw when I looked at that was the great potential that Sacred Heart Greenwich is as a gift to families who really want to transform the world. They want to transform their children's world. And to be a partner in that, that was really attractive. So that was sort of my first attraction and really desire to be part of this great school Mm -hmm. community. And during your time here, tell us about some of the courses you taught or ways you were involved in the campus outside of the classroom. Sure. I think you coached, right? I did coach. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, I'm not an athlete by nature, but I can run. So I, <laughs> I helped coach the cross country team. Oh, wow. Um, and I had a love of tennis. I married a, an alum of Sacred Heart who played here in the tennis team and played college tennis. Oh. So I loved tennis and yeah. I helped coach the JV tennis team. And the third sport I coached was squash. 
Oh. Now, I know nothing about squash, <laughs> but I could drive the school van to Apawamas, oh. <laughs> where we hired a pro who did know about squash. Actually, having one of those van licenses is a very special thing. Yeah. Like, those are highly coveted. There's yes. not many people who have them. Yes. So I'm sure you were in high demand with that <laughs> <Yes>. license. <laughs> so I really, I do claim I'm a three-season coach, but it's not uh, exactly true. Plus van driver. Plus van driver. <laughs> and the courses I taught, it was my great opportunity to work with the girls front and center. So I taught faith and reason mm-hmm. to seniors. I taught world religions to juniors. I taught a a course in Christology. Oh, interesting. Um, Wonderful course selections. And world religions was a required course at the time. Yeah. And I enjoyed teaching that also. Oh, that's so interesting. At one point, we wanted to expand the curriculum a little bit. Many girls wanted to consider becoming psychologists Mm -hmm. or psychiatrists. And so we offered a psychology course and I began to teach that. Mm. And I thoroughly enjoyed that as well. Oh, wow. Well, now what inspired your decision to return? It was easy. Sometimes people were saying, well, welcome home. And I say, thank you. And then I say, well, I've really never left. My time here was so formative for me also as a professional, as a Sacred Heart educator, Mm -hmm. as a leader in education today. Mm -hmm. That, in addition to the Sacred Heart education in general, is a gift. And it was a gift I received through the society and through my work here. The formation program, the education, the mission was so powerful for me personally I thought there'd be no better opportunity than to share my gratitude by returning to Sacred Heart Greenwich. Yeah. It's interesting you use the word gift because I have felt the same about my time at Sacred Heart. The experiences I've had really, to me, have felt like gifts. And I have felt so lucky to be here. And it's also a question of timing, you know, the right time. When one feels called to do something, Mm -hmm. um, one has to answer that call. Mm -hmm. And I felt called to take a time away and to help another school in Grand Coteau, Louisiana, Uh and then to work at Villa Duchenne. But as I shared with another conversation I had, my prayer has always been, dear God, teach me what to do and when to do it. Yeah. And that really helped inform my discernment to apply to become the president here at Sacred Heart Greenwich. Right. I love that prayer because it sounds like you in some ways have surrendered or given over control to what his plan might be. And you're keeping yourself open and you're just listening. Yeah, I think you got it right. Which I think is a really powerful lesson for us that we can't control too much. And there's a lot of power in waiting and listening and then following that call. Exactly. So that sort of segues us to my next question. Sacred Heart's identity as a Catholic school is unique among other independent schools. And I'm curious what you think it means to be a Catholic school right now and how you see this core element of our mission being relevant today. Yeah. In so many ways, it goes back to 1800 when Sophie Barra herself came up with this wonderful gift to school students called the goals and criteria. Now, she wouldn't have used those terms Mm -hmm. that we do. And then within 50 years, our foundation happened, right? Our foundation, 1848. So within 50 years, Sacred Heart was founded here. And now it's at Greenwich, but Mm -hmm. initially it was in New York City. And I love the way we talk about Sacred Heart education as an amazing gift, but an awesome responsibility. Yeah. In the way they're configured, the five goals and the 35 criteria that make them real in the daily life of the faculty and staff and students and family and trustees is unparalleled. One can't find that in any other religiously affiliated school in the same configuration, Mm -hmm. in the same spirit, in the same ethos. It was a gift to Sophie from God. It was Sophie's gift to the society. And it's a society's gift to us. So I take that charge very seriously as my daily duty, Mm -hmm. but just with an infectious joy that it's just not a solo job for me. It's really all of our work. Each day we have the opportunity to 
imbibe the faculty and staff, students and families with that same love of the goals and criteria. Yeah. Uh, all five are essentially important. There's not one more important than the other at any given time. And that's our mandate. And if we live them and we're honest to those, a success is our only option. I've worked at other schools that were mission-based, but what struck me when I came to Sacred Heart was how closely this school lived its mission, more than other schools that I had worked at, and how the mission really drove decision-making. Whenever there was a question, you could go back to what the goals and criteria said as your precedent for the decision. And I saw time and time again, teachers, administrators, even students making choices because that framework was laid out for them. And as I said, it was just so striking because I hadn't seen that in the two other independent schools that I had worked at. And it seems so special and unique. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said because data is important. Statistics are essential, but mission should decide. Yeah. And I think that's always been held front and center as a coveted treasure here from boards long ago to our current board of trustees as well, Yeah. as well as faculty making curricular decisions or right. administrators on the senior leadership team. Mm-hmm. That front and center needs to be the success of the students in front of us, right. but always grounded in our mission. Yes. Well, being an administrator or a school leader is very different than being a classroom teacher, although I imagine there are some qualities in common. How has your time in the classroom informed your leadership style or did your time teaching theology or coaching squash and even driving the van shape your priorities or provide perspective that you brought to your leadership? Yeah, it sure does. It's been an essential experience. I couldn't imagine coming up through the ranks without having time in the classroom. Mm -hmm. It was my call originally Mm -hmm. to be a teacher in the classroom and to teach particularly theology and religion. It has changed my entire focus that at the end of all the discernment, of all the decision-making that a school leader makes, it has to be student-centered. How will she benefit from this decision? And in fact, it has made a lot of my decisions easier. Easier. They're hard decisions at times, But at the end of the day, when I say, yeah, but how will this affect the student in front of me at this day and this time, it it, it gets a little easier Mm -hmm. and we just let the chips fall where they are. Mm -hmm. I'm fearful at times that in administration and school leadership, that one gets further and further from the students. Right. And so I do make it my charge each and every day that when I get up and go out somewhere in the hallways, I take the most circuitous route. So I have points of contact and convergence. (laughs) So I get to see them and I look them in the eye, say good morning or good afternoon. I heard a talk once, I think it was a podcast actually, and they talked about administrators should have some eccentricities. Gosh, I have a lot of them. (laughs) I love eccentrics. (laughs) But one of the things I think the students may find is eccentric, but I hope not always, is just Mr. Paper will go around and greet you all the time. And if I see you four times today, I'm going to say hello four times today. Look you straight in the eye and I want you to do the same to me. Because there's a connectivity that I believe is actually rooted in our spirituality that God lives in this house. Right. It's just not us living in this house. And when we greet each other, we respect the dignity that God has given us. Right. I see you. Yeah, I see you. Exactly. I think that is so impactful. And I imagine those students remember saying hi to you and they feel special. Like, He's busy. He's important. He said hello to me. That matters. And then perhaps there's a bit of a butterfly effect and that they in turn do the same to others, maybe an underclassman, right? That's right. That's exactly right. It's not just meant to be sort of a one and done. Right. But actually it's meant to permeate the entire ethos. Pay it forward. Of the house. Yeah. And that really sets the tone, which is so lovely. I hope so. Has there been a person or even a book or... Can you think of something that has had an important influence on your career? Originally, when I 
thought of this question, I imagined an individual, but now I'm thinking maybe it's something you've read or an experience you've had. I think it's really been my experience of being a a student in a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. Growing up? Growing up. My whole life I've been in Catholic schools. And I went to parochial schools in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Okay. It was a great expense and a sacrifice for my mother to send us to Catholic schools. And it was a great gift to us. And it's a gift I've never forgotten. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's been one particular person necessarily, but it's been teachers over the decades that have just given their life to this mission that is beyond them, to these students in front of them. The impact of teachers that I've had has been really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. As a leader, what do you think is essential or what would you advise a team captain or a peer leader or a club president about the essential qualities of leadership? Uh, that's a great question, but it's an easy question for me. Let your passion show. Mm. Oh, you know, I love you're, that. you're just in love with what you do, uh-huh. and that'll show. And, and, that's and, and let it be unfettered uh-huh. and let it be real and authentic and soar with it. Right. I found the best teachers in my life were those who were passionate about their discipline, whether it was math or economics or spirituality and faith. Yeah. No matter what it was, if they had a sense that they were in love with what they were doing, then that love was shared with me and I was on fire with it also. Right. I think even if that's not necessary, whatever it is, your particular jam, you're curious about why someone else would be so passionate about it. And then, you know, you buy in a little bit. You're like, let me stick around and listen long enough to figure out why he likes this so much, right? (laughs) And I think it's, and coupled with that is a sense of eternal optimism. Mm -hmm. Like, you can do this. We're going to do it together. This is going to be hard, maybe. Yeah. But you got this. That's the growth mindset, right? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, well, on the topic of growth mindset, in the last few years, there has been no shortage of challenges facing school leaders. What has been the hardest challenge you've tackled and what did you learn once you were on the other side of it? It would have to be the utter fear that has come from as a result of this pandemic of the unsettling fear for all of us. And yet as educators, there's not a plan book. Mm -hmm. None of us went to school to understand how to deal with pandemics and the fear that's undergirding that and that it's uncharted territory. There's no foundation. And that's unsettling for teachers because we're used to bells and schedules and plans. Yeah, so we're used to predictability and and support of cultures and climates. And when you have an experience that's not supportive but it's fearful, it's hard to learn. It's hard to free one's mind and heart up to then be open to learning. And I think as the leader of a school community, to try to present the sense that we got this, we'll get through this. Right. And even though people may be fatigued and fearful to also give a sense of confidence and hope that we have a future. The future is bright and strong and we'll just take it a day at a time. And we got this and we have it together. So interesting you say that because when we went to, I guess maybe March, 2020, when we switched to remote teaching, I remember a colleague texting me, I feel like we're flying the airplane while we're still building it. And then a few days later, she sent a text, one day at a time. And so it's so amazing to hear you repeat that same feeling. And yet the fundamentals of what good education in a Sacred Heart tradition looks like has been able to help us survive and thrive in the midst of all of this. The love of the child, the belief that their spirit is immutable, Mm -hmm. that God loves them, and that in a community like ours, Sacred Heart tradition thrives and strives to do its very best. Right. I have noticed in being here, Sacred Heart is at its best when faced with something hard. The community comes together in such powerful ways. Yeah. It goes back to our origins. You know, Sophie Bear was born at night in a fire. That's right. And then the French Revolution came and she founded the society. 
and we've lived through plagues and civil wars. So it's not foreign to Sacred Heart education that there's a resiliency yes. and there's a truth in the goals and criteria. If we just give them a time to marinate in our hearts and our minds, and it'll strengthen us. Really amazing how adaptable these goals and criteria are, how elastic they are, whether they're being applied to civil war times or a 2020 pandemic. Exactly. They're timeless. Exactly. Tell us something that people don't understand or would be surprised to learn about being ahead of school. I think this, the, the utter vastness of the responsibilities, the gift of the vocation of being a head of school or a school leader as president is that Meg and I, Mrs. Frazier and I have to look at the whole and it's only us, too, who see the whole at any given time. Mm -hmm. Certainly, early childhood has its own scope and its yes. own parameters, alums, board members, the local community, the students in front of us, middle school, upper school. Yeah. But we see the whole. Mm -hmm. And while that's a, a great responsibility and a gift, it's also at times a challenge to balance the needs of individuals, the needs of micro communities in the midst of the whole Sacred Heart community here mm -hmm. at Greenwich. That's probably one of the largest challenges. And how do you begin to do that? How do you keep your finger on the pulse of all these different micro communities? I think it's been what I've experienced more recently just during this campus visit, listening to people, yeah. uh, seeing friends and family mm -hmm. of the Sacred Heart tradition, but also meeting new families here and new faculty and staff and just beginning to listen to them and hear their needs and their wants. And then we measure that against the good and the, the responsibility of the whole. Yeah. And the whole notion of that discernment, I'm not one to make quick off the cuff decisions when it's right. a substantive issue. Yeah. You know, I need some time to discern. Uh, St. Mal and Sophie said, see everything, pray always and say little. Yeah. And I use that oftentimes as my discernment. She also said, see, pray and then act. And so those are some sort of benchmarks that Sophie has gifted, I think, all Sacred Heart administrators with. And that's how I sort of balance the individual needs against the good of the yeah. Sacred Heart. It's amazing to me that one woman could be filled with so much wisdom. She just drops these quotes that's right. that that's right. That's <laughs> are so incredible. Yeah. I think that's why they call her a saint. That must, those are her miracles <laughs> coming up with amazing words to live by. A theme that I think has emerged in this conversation is just you are a listener. And that seems to serve you so well. But it's not easy to listen. It's a muscle that you have to really exercise and practice. I think our nature often is to react. So I think listening and taking a beat requires so much self-control. Yeah, that's a nice compliment. Thank you. I know I had a course once in graduate school about reflective educators. Uh, and the, the professor said every night at the end of the day, you should reflect on how the interaction went with the students. Uh -huh. And that sort of is really kind of hand in hand with the sense of a contemplative dimension of being an educator. It's yeah. Having a space within our hearts and our minds where God dwells. Right. And it is a challenge in the technological world we're in. It's very complex, a right. fast pace. But again, that's a differential at yeah. Sacred Heart Greenwich is that we build in the sense of the contemplative dimension to learning. And whether you do it on a bench looking at the sunrise or just with your pen and pencil and a sketch pad. Right. Or listening to your favorite music. To listen is a tool, but it's also a value. Yeah. And it is a muscle, as you said, mm -hmm. and it has to be exercised. Well, okay. The next few questions I have are inspired by Brene Brown. So if anybody listens to Brene's podcast, you know, at the end, she yes. does some rapid fire questions. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So you say the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay. What is something people don't realize about you? That I love gardening. Oh, interesting. Okay. What is the last show that you binged and loved? 
Yellowstone. <gasps> Me? Oh, are you watching season three? Absolutely. You know? Oh, I haven't started it yet. I'm just, I'm so excited. That's my Christmas vacation plan. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite meal? Pasta. Me too. We have so much in common. What book is on your nightstand right now? Grading for equity. Oh, oh, and, oh, I'd like to get back to that. That's interesting. Favorite sacred heart tradition. Kanji. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing you are deeply grateful for right now. Oh, my faith and family. Last one. Sacred Heart, oh, fill in the blank. Sacred Heart Greenwich feels like... Home. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I would have said the same thing. It's true. I, and you know what? I think most people here would, which is really special. Oh, Mr. Baber, thank you for talking with me. I feel like we could talk for hours and it was such a treat. You're super busy. So your time is a gift to well, us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I look forward to doing it next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Heart to Heart. For more glimpses into the world of Sacred Heart Greenwich, an all-girls Catholic independent school, visit our website at shgreenwich.org and follow us on social media at shgreenwich. 